Career Disruptors is the podcast for senior managers who are not afraid to challenge the status quo, who challenge assumptions and who push the boundaries and love shattering conventional wisdom. I'm coach Caroline DeKimper, empowering professionals to build a personal brand that gives them the confidence they need to go after the career they want and deserve. Thanks for tuning in today. And today on the show, we have Helena Mooney. Helena is a parenting coach specializing in parenting by connection and aware parenting. She's also a bird advocate and a mom of two children who are 10 and four. Today, Helena is going to give us some invaluable insights on how to juggle motherhood and work. So welcome to the show, Helena. Thanks very much, Caroline. It's so great to be here. Perfect. So before we dive in, I would love to find out what got you so so interested in this topic. So what's your story around it? Well, when I was pregnant with my daughter, who's now 10, I was obviously working. um, And then I just started reading parenting books. Um, I obviously was interested in the birth, but I was going, okay, once I've had the baby, what on earth am I going to do with it? And I came across this amazing book called Parenting for a Peaceful World. And it just started to introduce different concepts that were broader than just, you know, changing nappies and having bedtime routine. <laughs> but really, the, that we can impact our children's emotional well-being so significantly by perhaps looking at things in a different way. And so then I just, and the brain development, it was just so fascinating. So I just sort of just devoured. And I said to my husband at the time going, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I know I'm going to do something in this field. And then and then I found um, Aware Parenting and Hand in Hand and trained with them. And yeah, now here I am. So you, you said like uh, you trained with them. Like tell me about their training. So you go from having a baby to like uh, wanting to find out more and explore that topic. But like and then you did some training. So tell me about that journey. Well, really, I needed to sort of learn how to parent my own child first. and that. You know, to begin with, I thought it really can't be that hard parenting because everybody does it, you know, who has kids. It really can't be that challenging. And so I thought I was a bit blasé about it in some ways. And then I realized that I needed some help because I was doing things differently to say my mum and those around me, like, you know, I co-slept and I knew I didn't want to smack and um, use those sort of punishments, but I didn't really know what to do instead. So I received a lot of coaching and help and support. And then it gradually then I evolved and then I found out, oh, I could train to do this. So I then, um, I got loads of support um, from somebody called Marion Rose, who does Aware Parenting and runs it basically in Australia. And then discovered hand in hand and that they had a specific training program, which runs for a year and you get weekly support so that you can mm-hmm. sort of talk things through with them and learn all the tools and really embed for yourself and then to teach other parents and because my children are evolving and then now I've got a second child you know I'm learning and refining and figuring stuff out as I go along too because things change you know a 10 year old is very different from a one year old (laughs) so the principles apply but then how do you apply it you know it's still a bit different yeah and it's so interesting because um, I, I'm guilty of not being intentional with my, my parenting. Um, there was somebody that made an analogy about, uh, like sometimes you manage your children rather than educate them and, and, and teach them how to do things different. You just manage. And I think like, I'm so guilty of that. I manage situations. I don't 
teach them and educate them and 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 work with their emotions and see what's on the on the need because they're little humans and sometimes you expect them to to do things just automatically and you 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 treat them almost as uh, adults yeah. in some ways especially our first i think I've, i look at my daughter now and i'm going i'm so sorry <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry I had these expectations of you at three because now my child, my son is four and I'm going, I wouldn't dream, you know, I now know that he's eventually going to learn how to do all these sort of things that I was then expecting my eldest to do at that age. So yeah, we do. We expect them just to sort of, and just, sort of just get on with it. You know, can't you understand that I've got to work today? So therefore, you know, just get yourself ready and be happy about it. And, you know, obviously that's not what happens most of the time. Um, and so, you know, it's hard enough if we're sort of home full time with our pet, with our children, but then adding in paid work as well, and whether that's in the home or out of the home, then that adds extra complexity. It's just like this morning, I, I do normally work from home, but this morning I had a really important meeting. So I had to drop my kids off at 7.30, you know, and there's so much that goes behind it. And to try and make that as smooth as possible, rather than this rushing nightmare that it could easily turn into. Um, so yeah, there's a lot. And, and parenting, I think, really brings up our stuff in ways that nothing else does because <laughs> we can have all these great theories about, well, I wouldn't dream of letting my children do that. <laughs> and then, of course, when it comes to, yes, sure, play on oh. the iPad for hours while I get oh, this you know, presentation done or whatever it is. <laughs> this is so bad. Before I had kids, now, of course, you know, I have two, but before it was like, I will not put my kids in front of the TV. Yeah. I will not give a dummy. And now it's like dummy in front of the TV. Just be quiet. And maybe have some biscuits as well. Anything just to keep you quiet so I can get on and do what I need to do. Uh, yeah. And, yeah. And, and that is okay. There is no judgment uh, in no. doing that, but there is a balance and you need to make sure that you know that balance. So um, why is it so important that you know how to juggle motherhood and work? What do you see happening? Why is it so important? Well, I think it's just like you said, that we can be more intentional about it and not just sort of feel like we're just on the back foot. And of course, it's fine to bung our kids in front of the TV, you know, at times when we need to. But if that becomes our ongoing strategy, then that's not really serving anybody. And, you know, you'll find that when you turn the TV off, your child will have this massive meltdown so you know it can often you know the pain then can often offset the benefit earlier on so you know this is never to say never do any of those things but you know there's are other ways that you can be with your kids that will help them and ultimately help you because things will run much more smoothly hmm. um, so you know things like recognizing that our children really need our connection and obviously when we do well any form of work but paid work in particular our attention is elsewhere, whether we are in home, you know, even just taking a phone call sometimes, I don't know if you've noticed with yours, you know, you might have been hanging out with them, it's all lovely, you, the phone rings, you answer it, and suddenly they're clawing at you and shouting, mommy, 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 and you can, for God's sake, I'm on the phone. <laughs> um, but that's because our attention has diverted elsewhere. Hmm. And, um, and when that happens, our children panic, yeah. and they get really upset, because of course, they need our attention, they need that feeling of connection with us because without that especially you know the littlies um you know they can't survive without us so you know one thing I really learned through all of this is connection is as important you know almost as mm. feeding them and providing shelter for them and doing all the practical things <clears throat> that you know which we get, get now but with our parents generations and the way that we were parented and they were parented 
there was less emphasis on that and more on the well you're fed you're watered now get on with it get on with it i don't need to know any emotional stuff thanks very much yeah Actually, you, you, you highlight a really valid point here um, with emotions. And so can you elaborate a little bit on what you exactly mean by that connection and the emotional state? Yeah, because our children need to feel that sense of connection with us. And so generally when our children feel that you know lovely connection with us and that they don't have an accumulation of stress and, you know, it can be everyday stress like being dropped off at daycare when they would rather stay at home with you or you know somebody was mean to them um you know and it just builds up and up and up and so when our kids get more stressed and they accumulate it then they start to act out Hmm. and that can be acting out you know the whining the begging or you know the full-on tantrum and rages and hurling things across a room and saying mean things so all of that behavior and I loved how hand in hand have described it. They describe it like off track behavior. So rather than just seeing that they're being naughty or they're manipulating us or, you know, all that judgment that we can place on their behavior, we can go, something's going on for them. Something's wrong for them. So what can we best do to help them to come back on track and recognizing that often giving them our connection providing our connection and helping them to, you know, offload that stress in ways that we'll talk about in a minute. But that is what's going to help them get back on, not getting more and more and more irate, which is what we all tend to do, isn't it? And, you know, we end up just like often screaming at them. (laughs) What are you doing this for? Exactly. And it's, it's, it's so, um, complimenting another big uh, thing that you raise is like we put so much stress on our children and that causes a lot of them to have the anxiety factor and they in the older they get then they they get more and more impact from society and more and more like expectations of their friends and their environment and it just adds up so it's all about setting that right foundation isn't it it is. And providing that foundation as they become more outward focused, like my 10 year old is, you know, tween sort of, you know, and, and they become more peer focused, but we can still provide them with that lovely solid base at home and the, so that they can go out, experience yeah. whatever it is, because we can't protect them from upsets, what, no. you know, as much as we would love no. to. And then but when if they you come, have- sorry. Uh, but if you have that right foundation, then yes. when they actually uh, become upset, then they have a, a safe space to actually voice that and, and come to you because they feel like they're nurtured and they, they have that connection with you. Yes, definitely. Definitely. Um, so, so what are the other things that, uh, that people can achieve when they're doing that right, when they really ha- create that connection with, with their kids? Well... It makes life a lot easier because, you know, you, you're in that cycle of your child does something annoying, you get really irritated, they become even more annoying, and then you feel less like you don't want to connect with them because, frankly, they're driving you up the wall, <laughs> and it's easier to offload them on someone else, go and deal with it, but then that perpetuates that cycle. So really, if we can at sort of start to recognize that those early annoyances, like whining or, you know, that irrational upsets over really small things are actual sign really clear signs that our kids need something that we can what we can give them which is moving in 
with a desire to connect with them, which I know is really hard when they are just being completely vile. <laughs> but if we can go, this is the best thing huh. that we can do. But we need to feel in a good position, first of all. Um, but if we can move in, and ideally, the older my kids get, the more I recognize if we can move in playfully, it yeah. just changes things. Because if we move in going, oh, my, you know, with that tension and we're trying to be patient and, it, you know, our, our fuse is short. But if we can move in going, are you trying to do that again? Hang on. You know, and, and bring that playfulness. You're connecting. Laughter is an awesome stress release. Yeah. which is what our children need to offload. They need to offload some of the stress and giggling is just one of the best things. And yeah. it connects you both together. I have a question, Joe. Um, like yesterday, for example, my son of five, he's turning six in April. He was being a little shit, to be honest. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they are. <laughs> and uh, it was getting on my nerves. And I actually, I... I, I, I did something funny and he started laughing. So he diffused the whole situation. So he became really like uh, likable and nice again. But yeah. then I was thinking like when, how, like I'm so scared that he might not take me serious because what his behavior was not okay. And me laughing it away and making uh, like a, a fun joke or not joke, but uh, like a, a, a funny environment that might take away that seriousness. And that's one of my big things is that we don't have to be serious about yeah. misbehavior because if we know that like your son would know whatever he was doing, he knows that that's not, acceptable he knows not to do it yeah but when they get to that state of doing that there's something going on for them and if we keep saying you're not allowed to do that they know that but their brain isn't working properly because they're overcome with upset feelings and so it means that the sort of emotional part of their brain is causing their rational part of the brain to just not work as well huh. Yeah. And so their impulse control goes offline, their reasoning, their sense of consequences and forward thinking go offline. So they really, you know, even at, on one level, they may know not to do it, but something is really just uh, making them not think well. Yeah. So if you can move in playfully and connect, that's exactly what he really needs. And he, and then they're, the, the happier, the more um, stress he's released through the laughter and the more connected with you he is, the less likely he's then going to do that behavior. And they can differentiate, you know, I'll often say my son calls me stupid, which he's for. And so that's a real sign that he's upset about something. Mm. So if I go and don't you dare call me stupid, ah, that just increases that sense of disconnection and is then going to make his behavior even worse. And, you know, stupid will then turn into him hurling something across the room, for example. Yeah. But if I move in going, hang on, you can't call me stupid. I'm going to call you a shopping trolley. And then we trade funny insults in that way. We both laugh, feel connected. Then he's much happier to then go off and, you know, play happily on his own because I've addressed the real reason of what the real issue of what's going on for him rather than, because he knows not to call me stupid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like, uh, it's interesting. Um, like, I'm just anticipating conversations that could happen with my son. Yeah. <laughs> because, uh, yeah, he's in this stage where he's like uh, rebelling. He's trying to find his own little uh, individuality a little mm -hmm. bit. Uh, I think they always actually want to do that because in, the, in your teens, you, you exactly do the same. 
to be honest, I, I think it actually never stops. <laughs> no, and it's important. It's, having a sense of autonomy yeah. and individuality is so important. But that's also oh. coupled with needing to be part of a community or a family yeah. unit. So yeah. it's them figuring out how to balance that. Yeah. Because then I was thinking, like, um, if I would do the, that scenario where he calls me a name or he does something um, and I just um, answer with also a funny name, um, then he might do that next time because he thinks, like, oh, that, that's funny, that's acceptable. Um, but and, it is funny. It can yeah. be funny. And that's, the, I think that's sort of also the thing of lightness. I mean, I did have this with my daughter, which is how I discovered that play and rude words or name calling can, um, is really effective to, um, to stop it with play because you can't, you know, if they're hurling something across the room, you can't, you can stop them, you know, you can move yeah. them and stop them. But when there's words coming out their mouths, you can't actually stop that. No. Um, so if, so it was using that play that really helped. And I was so worried that my mum was going to come over and my mum's very proper. And if my daughter was calling her a poo poo bum bum head, <laughs> not going to go down very well. <laughs> so, you know, then I would ham it up with Emily going, no, I'm a poo poo bum 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 head, or, you know, just really being silly and hamming it up. And that meant that she knew that we had that play. So we could play mm. that game together. And then yeah. she was far less, she never called my mum. A poo -poo -poo -bum -bum head. because she had that opportunity to work through and maybe somebody called her a poo head or I don't know yeah, that's actually very true what, like what's the what's the thing with that word actually the, my son also says that <laughs> <laughs> it's funny though and that's what they discovered they discovered that these words have power it's like yeah. we love you know I, I'm, I like using swear words you know <laughs> away from my children yeah. Um, but, uh, but there's something really satisfying and there's a lot of power in words. And so if, say, I, I think my son calling me stupid as a, you know, I think somebody called him stupid. And right. so that sort of realized that there's, a, oh, there's a power to that. And, you know, that might have been a bit stressful because he, he had no idea what word stupid meant yeah. when he was younger. So, you know, they try and sort of work through their experiences. And it's like that hot potato your boss is mean to you, you take it out on your partner, your partner takes it out on your child and your child takes it out on the dog. You know, yeah. you just pass this sort of hurt down yeah. the line to so true. people. That's so um, true. Mm. So where do you see your clients go wrong? Oh, it's a hard thing to say people go wrong. I mean, we all go wrong all the time, don't we? Um, <laughs> But don't you have like some, uh, some big mistakes? That yeah, just I'd say, you know, things over that, and over again. Yeah. I mean, uh, one of them I think is that we are, we do sort of take it so seriously. Mm, um, yeah, and so, true. you know, if our child misbehaves, well, we've got to come down on them like a ton of bricks because otherwise they're going to do this elsewhere and they've got to learn that this is completely not acceptable and blah, 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 blah. I'm so um, guilty and, of that, Helena. <laughs> well, and we all are because that's how we were parented. Yeah. So I think one of the things is, you know, we place so much guilt on ourselves and so much pressure, hmm. but we learn how to parent by being parented. And so we can learn all these amazing tools, but when we're under stress, you know, especially, you know, if we've got a lot of work on our plate and that's taking up a lot of our mind and we're worried about it, we take our stress out on our children and we don't have that capacity to be playful because we're stressed. Yeah. So, you know, allowing ourselves that we're all going to make mistakes because people say, you know, what happens if my child needs therapy? Well, you know, we're all doing the best that we can and yeah. uh, it's never going to be perfect. And what is perfect? And yeah. Because our children are never perfect. We're never perfect. And yeah, that's okay. That's so true. 
Yeah. It's more that acceptance that it is what it is and you have to just make the best of any situation because there's always a very, very good side and you have a precious little thing that looks up to you um, as no tomorrow and so you need your job is to, to nurture that and they will grow up. It's our job to nurture ourselves as well yeah. because if we, you know, we can't be playful with our children if we're not receiving any enjoyment in, you know, our life. If we are really sort of working really hard and, you know, coming home and then cleaning the house because nobody else was doing it or what, you know, cooking dinner and all that sort of just maintenance stuff, it's, it, it takes its toll. So we need to sort of also find light and enjoyment in our own lives as well. That's then, so true because basically I think like, um, today, women in particular, um, they have so much extra work. They have oh. the, the, the kids, then the kids' schoolwork, then they have to do the shopping, the cooking, the washing. Um, they have so many other plates that they juggle around. And um, it's so easy to categorize your kids as just like one item on the to-do list. Yes. <laughs> and often at the, the bottom because you've got to get dinner on because often their behavior can be going awry because they're hungry. So I've got to get dinner on. I've got to do this. And even, you know, I, I've got friends who are the main breadwinners and it's their partners um, who, you know, the dads who are at home more, the kids often still come to the mums, you know, in times of stress or in the middle of the night. So you're right. There is huge pressure on us as women, mm. more so than our mums generally experienced. Yeah. Um, so we need to give ourselves a break and then also look what we can do to best support ourselves, you know, whether it is getting a cleaner or, you know, encouraging, and I'm conscious of saying it because often, you know, some dads are awesome in doing stuff, but yeah. statistically women are doing most of the housework and the child rearing. So, you know, there is a huge amount of pressure on us. So what can we do to make our lives easier and more enjoyable and <sighs> It's so interesting that you mentioned that because it reminds me of your, your own self-care. And uh, often, very often, we put our own pressure and we make our life more complicated than it should be by doing ourselves disfavors. Um, like, for example, one of my friends, she... Uh, we, we were having a discussion and she said, oh, I always make fresh food for my husband when he comes, uh, to, uh, comes back from work at 7.30, 8 o'clock and we eat together and it's always fresh. And I said like, and, he, and she said, I, I don't feel that he appreciates that. I said like, yeah, but, and maybe he appreciates that, but it would be fine for him also that if it's only like three times a week, it, who says it needs to be five times a week? Like I said, like you're putting yourself these expectations that that pressure on and it's really not good for you. It's not helping for you and it's definitely not helping for your kids. So, and it's not helping for uh, the relationship with your partner. So it's, um, yeah. It's no, because it makes that. us more resentful. And when we're resentful, then we want to do things even less. Yeah. And so I say to parents, you know, to mums, who you know struggle with the whole self-care thing I said well what do you want to model to your daughters what do you want to model to your sons do you want your daughters to you know because we're giving everything to our kids you know say now but mm. do you want your daughter to suddenly as soon as she has child children and a partner to just lose that side of herself and likewise with your sons do you want them to have that expectation of the partner that they end up with mm. it's not really what we want and obviously you know what I was saying we we learn how we're to parent by being parented so our children are you know we're modeling yeah, exactly. How, how we want our children to be in the future. And so even if we can't do it for ourselves, if we find it hard to do it for ourselves, think, 
you're, you're going to that yoga class for your daughter. <laughs> you're doing that to model that it's important. To be a good mom and to be a good partner and to be a good employee and to be good in life, to actually balance it out, you have to look after yourself, first of all. That's so true. But everybody goes, yeah, 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 I know about self-care. Yeah, 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 yeah. get around exactly. to it. But Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really on my to-do <laughs> list, on my to-do list, together yes. with the kids. <laughs> oh, so what are some of the really bad consequences you have seen that, that, uh, that happen with kids maybe down the line? Like, what, what are really one of those disconnects when people actually don't make sure they have the right connection right now with their kids? Well, I work with parents of children under 10, so I haven't delved into the teenage years yet, but it's really the day-to-day behavior of our children, you know, and then, and then anxieties that come up and, um, you know, and, and say with our little kids, you know, some of them might become really constipated when they go to preschool or daycare. And that's because, you know, they're holding on emotionally. (laughs) Um, And so, you know, we become really worried about their say their bowel movements then or you know they're lashing out and you know when our kids children are with us we can move in and we can stop them lashing out but when when they're doing that at daycare or at school it's really hard as us so we have that emotional stress so um the, and also you know if our children become really anxious then we become anxious you know or yeah. it feeds each other so you know there's a high level of anxiety and and particularly when our children go to school brings up so many of our own school memories and so you know if you were somebody who remembers how painful it was to be excluded or you know wandering around the schoolyard and nobody was playing with you and your child has you know perhaps a one experience of that you know it's so our anxiety can then fuel their anxiety and then we're in this sort of anxious cycle yeah my god yeah it, if I even think about it, it can bring tears to my eyes. Like, oh. just like, oh my God. <laughs> it's so painful. It's so yeah. painful. And I've had that sometimes with my daughter. Sometimes she'll come back going, oh, I didn't really have any to be played with. And I'm like, oh, really? You've got no to play with it. I'm freaking out. And she's absolutely fine because it's not like one playtime. But I'm like, <laughs> you were missed. Like, oh, where did it all go wrong? <laughs> please, like my child, please. <laughs> and she's actually, okay, I'm projecting my anxieties. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Oh, brilliant. So um, I'd like to share practical information with our listeners. So let's keep it practical or as practical as possible. So what are your top recommendations? Well, I think number one is to really connect, is to recognize that when your child is being annoying, mm-hmm. um, and I have this course called Annoying to Amazing, because, you know, often it's not like, this sort of massive drama it can be these just annoying things that they do to recognize that that is um there's something going on for your child and that is like code so you know the whining could be code the upset that they've got the blue cup instead of the pink cup is sort of code that there's there's other stuff going on and to not just focus on that one particular behavior. So sometimes we can get like, oh, okay, I'll get you the pink cup. If I can't remember which color I said now, but you know, if they wanted the pink cup, but they had the blue one, okay, I'll go and get you the pink cup. It's okay. It's okay. And we try and placate um, thinking that that's going to make it better. Um, or we go, oh, for goodness sake, it's just a different color. It doesn't matter. It's all, you know, the same. Whereas if we go, okay, they're getting upset about something really small here, but our children are not going to say, oh, I'm upset because, you know, I, I don't like daycare at the moment or daddy's gone away or whatever it, you know, it is. They, that, those little things are catalysts 
for the big feelings to come out. So they might start crying because they've got the wrong colored cup, but yeah. the crying could go on and on and on because of all these other things they're upset about. So um, move in and connect and, and try and move in and connect early on rather than just you know sometimes we can just go yeah, yeah i'll be there in a minute or just stop hitting your brother you're all fine just come on and, and hoping that it's going to get better if we sort of <laughs> shout across the room going yeah stop it but actually just try and get in as early as possible and then respond playfully um and you know even if they are you know throwing something across the room or sort of moving into hit it, you have you have to gauge how your child is you know if they're already starting to cry and this is another thing i really want to offer is that tears are really good and really healthy. Um, so much of our time, especially when our children are little, is trying to do everything possible to stop them from crying. You know, as babies, we're rocking and we're patting and we're shushing and everything to stop them from crying. And likewise, when they're toddlers, we sort of bribe them or, yeah. you know, dummies or whatever it is. But actually crying is really healthy. So if your child is crying, just sit with them while they're crying. Don't try and rationalize it away or distract them with airplanes flying across the sky or whatever. Just recognize that they're stressed. If you go back to, they need connection and they need to offload stress. So if you can move in playfully early on, that's awesome. Giggling helps to offload stress. But if they start to cry, awesome. It's really, actually really good, which was the biggest mind shift that I needed once I learned this approach. Yeah. Um, because I thought my child crying or my baby crying was meaning that I was doing something wrong. And I mean, I probably was doing a million things wrong, but also <laughs> <Aren't> <laughs> <we> like, all? <laughs> <laughs> all the time, but actually crying is really healthy. Yeah. And for uh, and us, we need to cry too, but with somebody. Mm-hmm. So if our child can, if your child can cry with you, that's so healing rather than upsetting. Yeah. So um, I would offer that, and also um, look after yourself, um, and try and do that. And I know try and do it first. But one of the tangible tip I'd love to offer mm-hmm. is you know because getting out the house in the morning, separation anxiety is really you know it can be difficult. You know when we're rushing off to work and we need to offload our children, whether it's a nanny at home or daycare or you know granny or whoever. But if we can connect with our children first, even like for five minutes and do like a silly chasing game around the house or a pillow fight on the bed or, you know, something that's really high energy, that's funny, that sort of your child sort of wins without calling it winning. You know, they're chased, you're trying to get them, but oh, I can't quite get you or yeah. we chase you and they jump on your back and oh, you've got me. Ah. <laughs> if you could spend five minutes in the morning doing that before anything else, your mornings will go much, much smoothly. Now the caveat to that is sometimes when we offer the connection, that's when the tears come up if there's, you know, stuff stored. So if you yeah. can offer five minutes connection and then sometimes that's fine and that's all that's needed. But then if there's some tears come up, just say, set the timer and allow five minutes for tears, even if that is all you can manage and then distract and do whatever. But just know that whatever you can do to connect and help them offload stress, life is just going to be so much easier. Yeah. And you you mentioned something earlier also that uh, play doesn't need to to be long it's you you're talking about five minutes like so it just like calculate or take five minutes in your mornings or in your evenings just to make that connection and start with five minutes if you can't spare any any more time basically 
Absolutely. Because I don't want it to be an extra thing on the to-do list going, oh God, I've got to get around to that and I don't have time. It really can just be a super fast chasing game or, you know, while you're packing the lunches, did you call me stupid? I'm going to call you a cucumber. Mm-hmm. And then you can, <laughs> we just trade insults like that, you know, so see ways that you can integrate a playful response mm. um, that's not onerous. And I find now that that helps me was before I thought I had to be serious, but actually the play works beautifully as long as then, you know, you recognize that if there's tears, then that's also helpful too. It's, you don't use play to distract from tears. They're both yeah. needed. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I find that that's, that will really help the day run much, much smooth, more smoothly. Perfect. Brilliant. Perfect. Thank you so much. Cool. Where wow. can people actually connect with you if they want to find out more and want to work with you or want to say more what, what you can do for them? Well, I have birthandparenting.com.au uh, website um, and Facebook page. So those are the best places to meet me, to meet me, to find out about me. And then I offer one-on-one consultations and I've got um, two sort of flagship courses that I run, which is called Aware Parenting Babies for, obviously, babies, mm-hmm. titles, mm-hmm. Um, uh, up until one years old. And then um, from children older than that, like from one to 10, um, Annoying to Amazing is my other online course. So that's where we really get to understand what's going on for our children and talk more about why play works. And then also look at the examples of when your child is hitting, you know, it's all very well for me to say, oh, just let them have a cry. But, you know, what does that actually look like and how can you set a limit and, and, and stop them when they're really out of control? Um, and so, yeah, those are the best places to find out about me and work with me and then get the support because it's so important. And what I love about the approach um, the, the organizations that I've trained with is really, it's not just about the children, mm-hmm. you know, giving you parents strategies to just, just go off and do that with them. It's really recognizing when we as parents feel supported, then we can best support our children, but we need support. And so that's what I love offering parents support so that they feel nurtured so that they can in turn be nurtured and playful with their children. Yeah. Perfect. Brilliant. I will link everything up in the, the show notes also. So it's easy for people to uh, find out more and to click the right uh, links and find the right URLs. Um, so yeah. So thank you very much for being on the show today and making the time and uh, sharing those invaluable insights with us. Um, and uh, yeah, hope all the best and I will talk to you soon. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you so much. I've so enjoyed it. Thanks. No worries. Bye-bye. Bye.